And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Football Show. The Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I uh, I saw Halloween Kills last week, and this might have been this slate of games from the NFL might have been better schlock than Halloween Kills was last week because it the, the, this was just an atrocious set of games. We had three double digit spreads, and it lived up to that. Uh, I, I think lack of hype is the best way to put it. I'm very jealous. I was going to watch it yesterday. I was watching in the basement, and my girlfriend came down fiance came down i'm getting better at that my fiance came down thank you and she's like what are you watching i was like i'm gonna watch halloween kill she's like well can we watch something else because i want to watch something too so we just watch more sopranos so i'm a little jealous of you (laughs) my comparison that i'm making is that this is the weather events that was happening in san francisco they called it the bomb cyclone or whatever that actual term was this was a bomb cyclone of a week seven in the nfl so i don't know what to say about this. It was a disgusting <laughs> set of games. I mean, Lee just, Sharp had the best best stat ever. It said he he before the Sunday night game. He said this this week's games have had the second highest average margin of victory since realignment, nineteen point two points. <laughs> the only one higher was in two thousand nine, week seven, with twenty point three. The just, best game was Falcons Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, which if go. you had told me that would be the best game, the game worth watching today i'd be like oh man i guess because of all the terrible games but it's still surprising so we're gonna go through what is an ugly week uh, of nfl games we're gonna start with our first 15 which we do on every sunday night show the same way an nfl team has a first 15 so do we i want to start with the chiefs beating excuse me the titans beating the chiefs because i think it says a lot about the shift that's happening in the afc a little bit how muddy the afc is and two teams headed in opposite directions you know, the Titans obviously get that win over the Bills on Monday night. 
a game that they absolutely could have lost, and I really don't, mm-hmm. didn't know what to make of their performance in that game. This is a team that lost to the Jets earlier this year, and then they come out. I wanted to see them play the Chiefs tight and maybe give them a game, and then in my mind, maybe how they fitted the AFC shifts, and then they stomp them. Then yeah. they blew them out. So now it's like, i got to reevaluate a lot of different things. Let's start with the Titans side of this, because we'll have plenty of time to do Chiefs panic here in a minute. <laughs> This version of the Titans is the best case scenario for them. You know, we talked about their offense a lot on Friday's show and what we want it to look like. This looks like a lot of the stuff they did last year. First completion is just under center play action, quick turnaround, drift route to AJ Brown. It's like, there it is. There it is. That's the song I want you to play first. And they kept (laughs) going back to a lot of that stuff and the defense played very well. Did anything jump out to you today that was surprising or notable, or did you just kind of feel like, yeah, this is like the best version of what this Titans team looks like? We talked about how we wanted them to play their greatest hits. Yes. And it's like this today, and I think maybe playing the Chiefs defense, maybe the Chiefs defense gives you good acoustics. So that, <laughs> it's a great venue. <laughs> yeah, great venue. Uh, uh, so they, I think it was kind of like they remixed a couple of their good hits. Like they're like, hey, we have a little modern, modern twist on it. Like, cause they, I'm just going to just keep stretching this metaphor Listen, as much as possible. It's going to be a rough show. You do what you need to do. I know we just gotta entertain ourselves on this one, but uh, like so, those inbreakers they hit them all day. They do yep. them different varieties. We talked about last week or on Friday show that they're kind of like just trying to sprinkle in a couple new things. Like they're trying to go eleven personnel. They're trying to maybe throw a couple different runs, a couple more drop back passes, more play action out of the gun, a little more of that kind of stuff to kind of sprinkle in, so they're not just so they don't telegraph everything mm-hmm. on every single play. And you could just see it today. Like they have like new wrinkles. We we talked about last year and then now this year as well. They'll have the inbreaker and then they'll have a post with it. Mm-hmm. They'll have the inbreaker and they'll have a corner with it. This this week, all of a sudden I saw they had the inbreaker, they had a deep comeback with it. So it was like, okay, now they're throwing, okay, here comes, you know, they had the slider. Now here comes the changeup. They're adding another pitch to it. And when you have two guys, it's hilarious how old school this offense is. Like this is traditional, like football, like just single up outside and just run mirrored routes. And just like, that's their drop back game. Yeah. And it's just like, when you, when you have two studs, why don't overthink it? When you have just two good players like that, that are finally healthy. So that's, what's nice to see with this offense is you can see it now kind of coming to fruition. It's like things look a little better with a healthy AJ Brown and a healthier Julio Jones to go along with Derrick Henry. And I mean, they, you couldn't ask for a better game script. I mean, it's, speaks to what their their drives were there's no explosive plays from derrick henry they're all like eight yard gains six yeah. yard gains and he got bottled gains. up a decent amount today i mean what's on he was running over the chiefs defense their run defense was actually okay but they had no answer for Tannehill throwing the ball 21 <laughs> to 27 for 270 do you want to know what his play action stats were actually i do yeah nine of 11 <laughs> for 173 again just shut up and play the hits baby that's all i want to see but like you said there are some cool wrinkles, and you yeah. saw that during. They threw two play action passes out of shotgun. I looked at the numbers because it seemed like more than that because they were re- they were explosive plays. Yeah, there was the one to Julio that got them inside the ten where Julio just like a little tiny sit route got it yak, and then there was another one where they hit Pruitt up the seam, and yeah, they had jet was, motion. I like that one. It was beautiful play. They had jet yeah. motion going right to left. Just a little bit of eye candy and then play action out of the gun and Pruitt right behind the linebackers. I'm wondering. I haven't looked at the numbers on this. It seems like they're using way more jet motion than they used last year. I don't especially think, out of the gun. Yes, like yeah. And so yeah. it's just one more little wrinkle for them. Like we said, they're figuring themselves out and what they want to be. And I still think that they're trying a lot of new stuff. And that those elements out of the gun are there. They're putting AJ and Julio on the same side in stacks. 
Yeah, which and is see, just terrifying. So it's like, all right, what do we want to do here? It's like, all right, if you're going to be in man, this is a, a way that we can get these guys some free releases and it allows them to do some stuff. They had a, a flood concept to the right side where AJ ran a whip as the flat yeah. controller. It's like, all right, this is stuff that I haven't really seen a lot of then combined with just deep in breakers off play action. So I'm excited about this offense. I mean, I, I just think that the talent and the way that they're being deployed, I think that they're going to be a lot better over the next two thirds of the season than they were at times over the first part of the season, because yeah, one, and- the receivers weren't playing and two, it just seemed <laughs> yes. like they needed to find their footing. So I am, this is one of those weeks where even it's a, the chiefs defense. So it comes with a caveat, but it's like, I, I can, you can talk me into this. Like yes. the, these guys in this offense, I am more excited than I was three or four weeks ago. I can tell you that right now. It's it's hard for a defense to that going against them to have all the answers that yeah. they can get to. And, and again, they they're going to be a game script dependent offense. Like that is their one. I say the one weakness of it mm-hmm. is that of course they if they're down two three two scores three scores that it's going to be very hard for them to just keep dropping back and going. But the thing is, if they're within one score of the game, they can just keep they can keep up with anybody because it's. It's just so hard to to either load the box, and if you want to play too high, it was hilarious. It was like they were just running. There's this uh, uh, we called it we called Doctor uh, Duo Doctor uh, when I was with the Raiders, so we called it Doctor Pass. And it's like this is just old school offense, and this is like I mean '90s Norv would do this. My dad's done this with Linehan. Was you just get a hip formation? If it's too high, you run duo. If it's single high, you run mirrored routes with your receivers. Well, they and were doing a-, a lot of cans today. So yes. it seems like those are the options. I mean, they they must have done it a half dozen times at least where at he's least. just like, can, can. And then they just went whatever it's, the option was the defense gave them. It's as simple as football gets. And what it's great. It's good football. When you have the players, when you have a personnel advantage, the NFL, with all the parity that happens, all the injuries that happen, it is finding what advantages you have and just eking them out as much as possible mm-hmm. and spamming it as much as possible. That's all that is. It's just going, all right, you want to be single high? I bet you can't keep up with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown for 60 snaps. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that That's what they bet. And they they kept winning that bet. It was just good on them. It was a, it was a good game plan. And then I mean, just every drive was awesome. Every drive was eight plays, ten plays, twelve plays. They just they just played it perfect. The two throws he hit down the left sideline to AJ Brown in the first half, I think, are emblematic of just what they were doing. The first one, like you said, single high. Matthews walked down. They tried to spin it late. Wasn't going to work. So it's just one on one on the outside. He hits him for a huge gain. And then the touchdown that he threw to him. They brought pressure and yep. Tannehill. I, I don't, there's not a stat for this, but I would love to know the quarterbacks who do the best job and have the best numbers with not a lot of room to work. Like how much space is around you in the pocket when things are crumbling on him? He gets yeah. balls off that like very few guys do. He is not phased the when there's booth traffic. Sack. Yes, yeah. phone, phone booth completions. He's got to be up there. And <laughs> so it, it. again, it was just fun to see them in that mode. I want to talk about the defense very briefly because. Their pass rush was very good today, and I think yes. that can lead us into some of the the Chiefs conversations we want to have. But Harold Landry's had an amazing season. I haven't watched a ton of Harold Landry. He looks like Von Miller, <laughs> like, apparently. I, I mean, yeah. he his get off in this game was crazy. I mean, he is exploding off the line yeah. of scrimmage. And then the other guy that played really well today was Danico Autry. He yes. had I think six pressures today, lining up all over the place. Like mm-hmm. as a nose on one, there was one play where he lined up as the nose on the left side. And then they had two guys to the right. He crosses the center's face during the play. So now they have an overload front as the play happens and he gets the pressure. And then he's on the left. He's playing left defensive end, like three plays later, him bouncing around plus Landry playing as well as he is. That was a big for them today. I mean, they Mahomes yep. was under pressure and bothered the entire game. And 
you know, that was a group that has been a concern for them for years, literally yeah. years, because they haven't found that guy. Last year, they paid Clowney to be that guy. This year, they paid Bud Dupree a ton of money. Yeah. He had a couple plays today, but it's guys that they didn't really pay a ton. Autry was a free agent, but the fact that they found this kind of through the back door is, I think, is very good for them because they're going to need that on defense because their secondary is a mess. So that's just something else that I noticed over the course of that game. Exactly. They, that's what they need. They need a disruptive four because they, they just don't have the horses to hold up in coverage throughout the entire game. It just it is what it is. I know they played a lot more soft stuff. And when you win with four pass rushers that complement each other very well, it just it works. But yeah, we know Simmons. We were we were higher on Jeffrey Simmons. And it's like, he you know, he's he plays well. If he even doesn't create a, a ton of pass rush by himself, he's at least rugged and at least mm-hmm. can disrupt and wreck stuff. And same with Autry. But then when you just it's kind of more of a sum of their parts with all these pass rushers, which if a, if you play against a team that can like maybe get, you know, has the tackles that can hold up against some of this stuff. It's like, oof, OK, maybe then it's not as great. But if you get a team where you can create this advantage, like the Chiefs just just are holy, <laughs> you know, like H-O-L-E-Y uh, as opposed. And that way it's it, it they just took advantage of that. They have enough guys to like create that separation, create that edginess uh, up front. The Chiefs offensive line did not have a good day. Mike Remmers is playing right tackle for them now. He had some issues with Landry in certain moments. You know, Orlando Brown had not a great game again. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, what are the Chiefs? Like we just kind of expected this to be the week where they got back on track. Oh yeah. And that didn't happen. So now where are we? Like what are our expectations for them over the course of the year? Are they just not one of the teams in the AFC and and because the AFC is so muddled what does that mean for the larger conversation it's just it's one of those weeks where it's like I expected some things coming out of this set of games that I did not get and now I'm not sure what to do with myself I'm just like so frustrated with them like on yeah, offense because yes. like because disappointed like, in, in them more than very, anything else. Yeah. very disappointed I know I we're know not it's, yeah, we're not we're not mad at all no Patrick can't do too much harm to me but it's it's it, watching them if this is what it's going to be there I, I still think there's no like true answer to stopping the Chiefs offense it's just themselves beating up themselves but if these defenses are making it so hard on them by running two man and soft coverages you're seeing more and more two man that's why you see Mahomes scramble more mm-hmm. And you beat, and the people are just beating up Kelsey all the way down the field. If no one's going to call that, like you just have to adjust. Like we saw the Rams have to adjust their run game, you know, a couple of years ago because defenses started running the six one stuff and not letting that happen. When you're a top unit, everyone's going to throw everything they got at you, and it might not seem sexy what uh, these defenses are doing against them, but they're making it hard. And if you can just keep the ball away from them and it's like, well, if they do make all these mistakes, like they only get nine cracks at cracks at it, like, cause they're turning the ball over their defenses is letting up these long drives. So it's like, okay, if they make these one mistakes, now these teams can take advantage of it. And yeah. it's just, you, and they just have to like look themselves in the mirror and go like, okay, what we're doing is obviously not working. We're built to beat single high teams. That's what they have dominated the last couple of years. If teams are going too high, which we have beat before, but maybe we need more designery plays that can beat this stuff. Backside digs, different formation stuff, just stuff that's down the field that attacks cover two. And you have a quarterback that can do it. You have receivers that can do it. Like those, those older Andy Moss teams, I've already referred to my dad's old offenses twice in the show. It's like, but when you beat like the, they would cloud, everybody would cloud it. When I mean cloud yeah. is cover two. Cloud them all the time. That's why you saw it all the time against Randy Moss. And that's why the Vikings always had great run games, even high DVOA run games, because they just had these soft boxes. Didn't matter who the running back was. The Chiefs have to figure out what that is. Yeah. It's not going to be an under center heavy eye formation stuff, obviously, but they can't just keep living in this spread world. They have to take 
advantage in a different way. They have the horses to do it, but they just have to tweak what they are because right now it is really just frustrating. <laughs> another guy that made a couple splash plays, talk about the run game, he talked about turnovers. David Long had another couple of really nice yeah. moments in this game beyond the pick, which was not cheap. You know, that was just down the field, getting a hand on a ball, making a play happen. He had a TFL where he just read it from the start where he's yep. just knifing into the B gap before the play even almost begins. It's like, all right, you're like that guy. That's yes. what this defense needs. Again, you just yep. kind of unexpected performances and unexpected guys stepping up. And that's what they got today. He reads the game really well. He, when yeah. they beat the Ravens in the playoffs, uh, I think he was a rookie and he had a really good game off ball. And it was like, who is he's like 5'11", 218 <laughs> pounds. And it's like, but he re, he's like a little missile. Like he just reads the ball really well. So it's kind of cool to see him kind of crop back up. So now, if the Titans are going to play like this and the Chiefs are going to play like this, what the hell do we make of the AFC? <laughs> I, I mean, so the Bengals, Ravens. The standings? So it's just, ridiculous. <laughs> the Bengals, Ravens, Titans, and Raiders are all five yeah. and two. The Chargers and Bills are four and two. The Colts, yeah. after winning that, I don't even know. We, we didn't talk about that game. Uh, winning that just mocking. monsoon game, they're three and four now. Like everyone is just bunched up in the middle and. I don't even know how I'd begin power ranking it. I believe still right now the Bills are still the best team. I I just think top to bottom, they're the best team. Baltimore, we'll talk about them in a second here. I think they have some clear holes. Their deficiencies are obvious to me. Mm -hmm. The Bengals, again, we'll talk about them in a second. But, I mean, they looked excellent today. I still don't think they're top to bottom built built like the Bills are. So it's really muddy. I mean, I just expected the Chiefs to be there at the end, even with their struggles. And now it's just, I really don't know what to make of it. I mean, I think you just kind of wait and see how it sorts itself out. But I still think if I'm listing them off, the Bills have their own spot at the top. How about your Chicago Bears, the Kingslayers? They they have the wins over the top two AFC teams right now, the Bengals and the Raiders. (laughs) Like that. Just hey, Matt Nagy knows how to you know get them up for those big games. Oh my god, <laughs> that's, that's what it is. But I, I can't. I have nothing to make of it. I I, I think I exact. I can't. I almost copy and paste what you just said. I think the Bills are the number one for me, and then after that, it's really honestly two through twelve. Yeah. And it's like it, it's it's kind of fun in a lot of ways, but it's like I think a lot of these teams once they hit these bye weeks and regroup, we're going to see see that's when we're going to just see huge movement from some of these teams. They're going to adjust and some teams aren't going to adjust uh, to what they need to do. I, I think that my takeaway from today, though, is that Tennessee is closer to the top of that group than I would have anticipated. And you know, when coming into this year, when thinking about and talking about the Titans, my concern was that it was going to be just a diminished version of what we'd seen from them over the last couple of years. You know, are they really better? How could they be yeah. better? And if they're not significantly better than they were over the last two years, if this is just trying to bring this back and cobble it together in a way and try to resemble what you were, how are, did you make a step toward the real good teams in the AFC? And now there aren't that many real good teams in the AFC. So that conversation isn't as relevant when, when in regard to them. So they're more, they're players in a way I didn't anticipate because the top isn't as elite as I might've anticipated. So yeah. it's good news for them. All right, <laughs> let's get to you have my attention, which is something we do every single week. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Every Sunday, there's a lot going on. The, the buys were nice today, but every Sunday, there's a lot going on. And we try to pick out you know, two, three performances by a team or a player that just made us stand up and take notice over the course of the day. And we need to start with the Cincinnati Bengals because yes. even if you thought this was going to be a game they could win, I didn't expect them to win like this. I was waiting 
for this type of performance from Cincinnati. I think you and I were both in wait and see mode because the wins that they had gotten were not over very good teams. They, they lost to the Bears like you just mentioned. They lost to the Packers. It's like, all right, I want to see them make a statement against a really good team or just a pretty good team. And they did today. I mean, yeah. they really beat up the Ravens in an impressive way on offense and defense. Yeah, and that's what it was. It wasn't just the, – the Packers game was like, oh, it was close. But it was like, I mean, that was a fluky as fluky games can get. I mean, yes. just for a few reasons. So that's why I was not going to go like, oh, they played a good team tough. Like it was more like, oh, well, really, I can't really take – that's like a, you can't really take too much away from that game. And the, even starting in week one, they played the Vikings tough and they beat the Vikings. And I was like, oh, man, that was a fluke too. The Vikings were the better team that day. And it's like, you know – we got to wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to take the plunge sometimes. And this was a really good performance from them. I mean, and really, really good performance of some of their, their star players or what the guys they count on, AKA Joe Burrow. And of course, Jamar Chase, but especially Jamar, uh, Joe Burrow really kind of like taking when it's not a perfect situation and creating something out of it. His, I think his pocket movement was so good today totally. that it just, it was he unlocked so much and he was able to attack down the field because he was able to move in the pocket when it wasn't a great pocket a lot of the times and having a quarterback that yeah doesn't have the greatest arm strength but the fact that he can move in the pocket and get the ball out on time you see what happens it's hard to keep up with their guys they i don't agree with maybe how they built the team especially on offense like i of course always gonna be an inside out type of guy as far speaking to line play and receiver play but it is when you have a guy you know picking and popping like this, like Joe Burrow is right now, it is hard to keep up with that, especially against a defense like the Ravens that want to play in so much man coverage. They had to get out of man coverage because they were just like, oh my God, we can't keep up with these guys. We can't, like, we're just getting torched. We're going to talk about what Chase did later. But it was was a really good performance on their offense where it's like, it's not perfect. It's not. I'm not going to say this is a great, great offense, but at least they have answers to sometimes some, some of the stuff that's been hurting them in the past. I don't want to spend a ton of time on Chase right now because we're going to get to it later. But he is special in a way I just didn't see. Yeah, I mean, that, that's all there is to it. I mean, yeah. it, he has elements to his game that I did not pick up when I watched him. I always thought – I didn't think he'd be a bad player. I just didn't think he was worth a top five pick. That's because it. in my opinion, the group of receivers that are worth top five picks, the list is this long. There, there's like <laughs> yeah, three exactly. guys on it. Yeah. And th- that is just – that is something that I've always believed. And I, when I talked about it and wrote about it, it was more so just where do you find great players at these positions? Yes. I was never on Team Sewell or Team Chase. It was where do you find great players at these positions? And it's harder to find great linemen than it is receivers. Yes. But he is special. He yeah. is different in ways that I think that I do want to get into. And it showed up in so many different examples today. Going back to the Burrow thing, I thought that the, the perfect play to kind of exemplify what you're talking about with the pocket movement is the touchdown to Uzama. It was they were in 13 person. That's a combination of you're putting your guys in good spots and your quarterback making a great play. They were in 13 personnel with Odin Tate was the only receiver on the field, which I think yeah. is very funny. Right. With all the guys. Yes. <laughs> so he comes in jet motion from right to left, brings the slot over, brings, brings the corner over with him. And then they have I can't remember, you remember the guy's name, but 84 comes on like a big crosser from the left side. So the safety sticks down with him. And then Uzama is on the right side. So Marlon Humphrey is on him because he's the corner to that side, but he has heavy outside leverage. Mm -hmm. And then he comes all the way across to the left. So it's perfect. You have your, he's give, you're giving your guy a leverage advantage from the start. And, but to make the throw burrow has to sidestep someone in the pocket and get that ball off. So it's just a situation where it's a good play. It's a well-designed play. It's a good time to take a shot. It's a good way to package a shot play, 
But Burrow still needs to make that guy miss in the pocket in order to make that happen. Yes. And that was the type of day it was for them. Yeah. Where you have these moments where schematically they're in a good spot and then their guys just make plays. It happened over and over again for them today. And even even the plays where they didn't have it schematically, like because you know their insistence on going empty and five man, like they Burrow was missing the guy, making a guy miss and then yeah. making a throw, and it's like that's why he's the number one freaking pick. That's why you want guys that can create. Even that's the thing is I'm going to keep saying this. Even though he has limited arm strength, he makes it freaking work, and that's why he can win. It's as long as you have an answer to winning, like you know you have a way of getting yourself out of a jam, and he can because he's athletic and big, and, and he can throw on the move. Like that's a good combination, and it, it's. It's it's kind of cool too. I just mentioned that that they go into empty and stuff. They did make a tweak, and we're going to talk about this later. It's funny. We're just like, okay, put a pin in this and put a pin in this <laughs> with, with the Bengals. But it's like they did make a tweak today on offense. I, I am going to talk about it later. I don't want to spoil it, but it's like, okay, I'm going to give some props to the Bengals yeah. coaches. Like what's something they did to stop some of the uh, uh, Ravens pr- uh, pressures on third down, especially. And I do want to give a lot of props to the defensive staff as well. Yes, because yes. coming into the season, one of the reasons that I was down on the Bengals offense, just in terms of their ceiling, was because they were they were number two in cap spending on defense without any stars, yep. without any difference makers. When you look at that defense before the season, there was nobody that you would say is a true difference maker on that side of the ball. Yeah. And it hasn't mattered. Because they've been they've they played so well and they've been so well coached and so well deployed on that side of the ball that it doesn't matter that they don't have any stars yep. on that side. And I think today was a perfect example of that. You look at the pressure numbers today and the sacks and all that, that was not because the pass rush was dominant. The Ravens were on their third right tackle, which was a concern. Makari got hurt. So as Hubbard had his way with whoever was over there for a good chunk of the game. But Lamar held onto the ball for longer than anyone uh, in yeah. the league this week. 3.16 seconds average time to throw for Lamar today, which was, sec- was the highest rate in the league. He had nowhere to go. Yeah, And they did such a good job of keeping him off balance because they were doing something different every single third down. They drop eight every once in a while. Mm-hmm. They bring pressure every once in a while. And the pressure numbers today were very notable. So I, I God, I can't find them right now. But he was <laughs> bad against the blitz. They, they blitzed Lamar a lot today, and he was objectively bad. I think they blitzed him on 10 dropbacks, and I want to say he was two of eight with oh, two damn. sacks. So that and typically, the what's the book? You cannot bring extra pressure yeah, at him. Yeah. Every time they did, it worked. And that was just a, it was a great job of just like, all right, you have no idea what's coming. And you could see that he just didn't yeah. know where he wanted to go with the ball on every single defined passing situation because they were throwing so many different things at him, which is a and, testament to the game plan. It's a testament it, to coaching. Exactly. And uh, yeah, both sides. And, and like, that's the thing is like the Ravens got caught with their pants down a few times today. Like they, they, I honestly think that Ravens offensive staff got out coached because it's like what you're saying with those timely pressures. Anytime the Ravens were an empty, I wouldn't say every time, but most of the time they checked into a pressure. They would just mug up the guys and bring one extra. They'd bring Mm -hmm. six or at least drop a guy out and make it five against a five-man protection. And you're just getting a free runner on Lamar. And that's fine. Like Lamar can create, but that's a guy just with a short path, just beelining right at him. And if he can't get a throw off or he has an angle to do his creation stuff, it's like that just leads to shit. That's what happened on that fourth down where you're kind of like, flailed it up it was because they just got another free runner and it's like yeah again it just speaks to that like and also like they were they frustrated their ravens protection so much that they full slid uh, full slid the line but they're also keeping patrick card in and he was having like the block dns one-on-one yeah. 
and Multiple it's like times. when you it's not get, go well. When you get an offense doing that, that's like they're throwing they're throwing up the white flag, and and you're getting an advantage on it because they're just like we're done trying to sort this out, and then on top of that, you get an advantage. So it's like yeah, props to them. So I found the numbers: two of eight for ten <laughs> yards, two of eight for ten yards with two sacks. No quarterback in the league had a worse EPA per dropback one blitz today than Lamar Jackson. That's a wow. They did a great job. They did. And it, it just little tiny tweaks, too. They had moments where they'd have Wilson and Von Bell lot, like walked up into the A gap and the B gap. Bell came. He had a free rush on one play. And then it was a nice little tweak. It was a third and one or a third and 11 with like 14 minutes left in the second quarter. Wilson engages the center of the guard and then drops out. Yeah. So that guy's wasted. And then he's sitting there if Lamar runs. So just little tiny things like that. That stuff. I can't see what's happening in the back end, obviously. Like that'll be require a rewatch. But what they were doing at the line of scrimmage defensively was very impressive over the course of this game. Yeah, it's good stuff. And we will talk about Jamar Chase here very shortly. (laughs) So, but that's just the big picture kind of takeaway from this. And we have to pay attention to this team. I mean, they if they're going to play like this and they're going to have this sort of ceiling, and Chase is going to play like this, and they're going to be this well coached on defense where they have this group that doesn't have any real stars on it and everyone just kind of chips in in ways that are kind of subtle but important Hendrickson is we know what he is but like that guy plays hard that defensive line plays hard and their back seven just consistently in the right places and they don't have any guys that I think defensive coordinator or offensive coordinators are losing sleep over like it's not we have to just tailor our game plan around this one guy and that's a testament to what they've done with this group because they're still being really good yeah, they're like a Diet Coke version of the Bills. Like, that's what they're kind of yeah. doing. Like, it's just a sum of their parts. And they're, yeah, like you said, they're all taking turns on it. All right. Let's get to our next guy here. I want to talk about Derek Carr because Derek Carr has played extremely well over the past two weeks without John Gruden. I think there was yeah. a huge question of what would this team look like in the aftermath of all of this? And they've played fantastic. I mean, yeah. Carr was 31 of 34 for 323 yards today. Over the past two weeks, he is 49 of 61 for 664. He leads the league in EPA per dropback over the last two weeks since they lost their play-calling head coach. He's playing at an extremely high level and has for a good chunk of this year. And again, I don't really know what to make of it in the grand scheme of things, but I know that right now he's playing in a really impressive clip. He's the only fourth quarterback in history to go over 300 yards and complete over 90% of their passes. It's it's Drew Brees, which you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Craig makes sense. Cra- yeah, Craig Morton. Uh, okay. And then Marcus Mariota was the third. <laughs> and then Derek Carr was the fourth. <laughs> uh, but it's like, okay, his backup was the third one. Uh, but it's hit, like watching this Raiders offense, it's kind of this – it's weird. It's like a fever dream a little bit. The going vertical out of heavy personnel. It's like they can't really run the ball that well. Like it's miss. It's miss. Like you think they will be. Like you're. Like, oh, they're all these tight ends and everything. They got. They paid all this money for Kenyon Drake and they got Josh Jacobs and it's like it's okay the run game. But it's like the fact that everything is just getting so vertical and they have such. I always use this word, but I'm going to use it again. Such nice synergy with their receiving parts. Yeah. And Carr just is like trusting what he has. Like if you're going to sit that we, we've talked about a few times on the show is that Derek is a very cerebral guy. He's a lot smarter than people give him credit for protections and just knowing what wants to get done. And that's sometimes been his negative. 
is that he would get to the check down too quickly because he was like, well, they faded back. They're fading back. But sometimes it was like, well, you got to hold it for an extra second and then like create a little more sync, yada, yada, yada. He would almost be too fast with this stuff. And I think it's like this Eagles defense, which is, or, uh, which is just also another like great acoustics, uh, <laughs> is that they are going to sit in static coverages and they'll give you whatever you want underneath. Do whatever you want. And yeah. Derek is too smart for that. So now this kind of new version of Derek, who's attacking more intermediate and deep as opposed to going all quick game. I mean, how many times they ran so much switch verticals today. They ran so many four verts concepts, like every variety you can think of. And he just kept hitting seam balls and bender balls or checking it down. Cause he was just going one, two, three, four, five. I hit my fifth foot. Boom. What a rip. It was incredible that. how on yeah. time he was today. 2.14 average time to throw. During, and it was in, all in this game. Field. And it, it was just, yeah. Everything. It was so good. So I mean, good. it didn't matter if it was it was like a little swing. It was where it was supposed to go. If it was an in-breaker yeah. run throw, it was where it was supposed to go. The one, the throw he hit to Zay Jones down the right sideline was hilarious. Yeah. He did like a wind-up like you would if you were like playing catch in the yard. He like yeah. had the ball like this, took his Crow arm off it. of it, and then threw it. And I was like, oh my God, that's when you know the guy is feeling it. And it was, he checked. ripped it. I mean, yeah. that was a 40, 47 yard missile shot. He has the arm to do that. Yes, he does. So it's cool when he does. And then the touchdown to Moreau, that's just that just back ball. shoulder ball, perfectly timed, perfect placement. And we've seen that a bunch from him this year mm-hmm. where he, if you know, he knows what coverage you're in. He is going to be comfortable yes. taking shots like that and putting the ball in tight windows like that. I mean, he's been really impressive <laughs> for stretches <laughs> this year. I mean, today, again, it's not the most downfield game from him compared to what he's done over other games this year, but still just the ball going to the right places consistently. Yep. And they and they got nice pieces for it. And that was with Darren Waller out, which is like, which was yeah. a little bit. Some of my hesitation before this game was like, well, we'll see. He really likes to pepper him when he's feeling like a little stressed. And it was like, didn't matter <laughs> if you if you can't beat him with man like that. I would say that's always the weakness with Derek was it was man coverage when we would play the Chiefs. They just run man against us the whole game as because he wasn't a big scrambler then. And if you're not going to run that against him at all, like the Eagles did today, it's like, oh, good luck, because it's just he's going to find the right guy. And they have a nice a lot of nice pieces, especially those those types of guys, a lot of super role players uh, along with Darren Waller. And it's nice. Them playing like this, it brings us back to the AFC conversation. It's yes. like, well, where do the Raiders fit in in all this then? And no I'm still worried about the line. Like, yeah. I think the line over the course of the year will be a concern. They've had to do a lot of moving around of those pieces, and I think that's still something to worry about. But the defense is okay. Mm-hmm. The defense is feisty. They have those pass rushers, and they're giving offenses problems. So if they can be fine on defense and – Car can play at this level. It's like, what are they yeah. in the grander scheme in the AFC? And I have no idea what the answer to that is. <laughs> None of it. None of it. One through 12. That's what it is in the AFC. It's one through 12. It's great. I, I have no idea, though. I don't want to do this because I feel bad at doing this to Raiders fans. But if there's a world where the Raiders decide after this season, we want to start over. You know, we, we're going to have a new coach. It's worth Derek's contract. We can get out of it. Let's just start over. Let's press the reset button. Let's just decide as a franchise, this is what's best for us. And that might be what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not unreasonable for them to come to that conclusion. I was talking to somebody today in the league, and I was talking about how, you know, if you want to move on from your quarterback next offseason, there, are there going to be that many defined upgrades? You know, is there a Matthew Stafford next yeah. spring if Rodgers doesn't move teams and Wilson? Is Derek Carr that guy? Like, are we going to get to a place next spring where these teams that need a new quarterback, is he playing at a level that your replaceable quarterback can't play at? 
And I don't yeah. want exactly again, I think the Raiders might be a good team this year. I don't yeah. want to do that to them right now, but it's just a conversation I recently had and I was just trying to think about what those options might look like. And maybe he's that guy because yeah. he's playing really fucking good right now. I know. And then it's like also it's like what oh, I know. And then also it's the price tag because it's like, all right, what what is one tier or two tiers worth of upgrade at quarterback worth to you? You know, like that you just start I know. It's just a great philosophical question too. I did not expect a Derek Carr to be the possible quarterback upgrade teams could go to next offseason. But if he's playing like this, he absolutely might be that guy. Yeah. And we might be going down that path. <laughs> All right. Very quickly. I want to pay attention to the fight in Dan Campbell's because I was Man impressed. Campbell. I was impressed with just how they threw the kitchen sink at the Rams early on. It, it was it. a great moment. That like 20 minutes where it seemed like they might have, they played them hard, but yeah. that sequence of, Fake or onside kick, fake punt, fake punt. That's what you want to see from a team that's just completely outgunned. Yes, it, it was. Uh, uh, I'm making a Marvel reference, but it was the first fight with Thanos on his on his planet, and it was like <laughs> they all just brought it at him, and like they and, like they were just beating him up, and it was like that's all they had. They were just that's what they, they had. Gave to everything, do. everything, just every possible ounce of energy they had. It was every superpower they had. But that's that's what it kind of was. Was that. They knew they were a double-digit underdog. That's why I wanted to talk yeah. about this. It's like yeah. knowing what you, knowing what you are is a strength, good or bad. Like it, it really is, not just in football but in life. Uh, but it's just going like they went up ten points against uh, before the Rams even touched the ball, and so it's like that is that that's that's what you want to do. Like I mean, that's if you want to give yourself a chance, that's what you have to do. You obviously know you're outgunned, um, but that's it's just so funny. Like I, just like the the they go fake punt. And then, well, they went onside kick, and then they followed up with a fake punt on the same drive. It was like, which is, you know, okay. That's, you just got to that, empty it, man. Yeah, it, just there's, empty you, it. There's no that, reason to hold anything back now. It's playing, it's playing craps, hitting the hard way, and then just, hey, I'll press my bets. That's, I mean, that's what they did. It was just, that just cracked me up. It was kind of a hat on a hat, but it was like, whatever. But, you know, they, they play tough. We talk about every week. This is ideal if you're a Lions yes. fan. You know, it's a lost season. You know, you're top three pick almost guaranteed and it's like but our guys they do some fun stuff on offense i have actually been really intrigued with anthony lynn and those guys are doing on offense like they just every week do a couple of fun things they're like oh the lions okay that's fun <laughs> you know their whole team plays tough and it's like okay it's like I, i'm not like it's not like a shit show when i watch the lions it's like at least it's like at least entertaining uh not just for the press conferences but with their actual play and honestly the last thing i want to say with dan campbell too is like i do love it's not the raw raw bullshit. It's uh, one of their corners got beat in the end zone. I think it was Higby maybe scored. I'm trying to remember who it was, but the corner comes off the field and then they show Sean McVay just ah that other like headbutting this guy, and then they show Dan Campbell talking to the corner that just got beat. I yeah. want to say he was a rookie, and he's just like talking to him. And he's like, and you could tell what he's saying is just like, hey, we're gonna need you. Like, cause yeah. obviously, obviously they are this year. They all got a lot of talent, but it's like that. But it was like, all he, the corners are hurt. Like, all the corners, the corners are hurt. they were relying on hurt. But he, he's like, just, just pumping them up. And it was like, yeah, that, that shit matters. It really yeah. does. When you're in a tough, tough situation, it's like having guys fight for you as players and for each other. It really does matter. And it's kind of cool seeing a coach like that. They play hard. And that's exactly what you'd hope for out of that team this year. The one other thing I wanted to mention about this game. Matthew Stafford was insane against the Blitz today, and yeah. he has been all year. So yep. today, he finishes 10 of 11 for 142 and three touchdowns against the Blitz. These are all from Not Next bad. Gen Stats. On the season, he is 48 of 63 for 698 and eight touchdowns. He has plus 47 EPA on oh the God. year against the Blitz. No other quarterback is higher than 30. And he never scrambles. 
Never scrambles. Never scrambles. All well, from when the, you have all that arm, you don't need to scramble. <laughs> just he's like cla- he's like the last of a dying breed. He's like the he's the classic gunslinger. Like he's just sitting back there, just leaning back, shooting the six shooter. There were a couple plays today that I'm assuming on a rewatch. If you do not see them live, you will absolutely love from Daryl Henderson pass protection. Yes, he had the one where they brought him back into the formation was like it was very heady, and then he clips both linebackers in the a gap multiple times in this game multiple times he did it from the gun on one on one play and then i think a little bit later in the game he was a sniffer right next to the center Mm -hmm. so sometimes we see that a lot this year against teams that run double a stuff they'll have the running back even if the when the quarterback's in the gun the running back will be sitting right behind the offensive line in order to not give those guys any sort of momentum just Mm -hmm. shut it down right away so he's a sniffer up there. It's like like five minutes left in the third quarter. They ran blitz both of those guys. He gets a piece of each of them. Stafford, as he's falling back in the pocket, just whips his sidearm ball to Robert Woods for, oh, that on that third one. and six. It's like, that's oh, the shit they're doing right now. The yeah. running back has been doing great stuff in pass protection. They know exactly how they need to block that up. They still almost get there, but their quarterback can get the ball off at these ridiculous arm angles, and they still make a play against the blitz. Yeah. So. It- so, good luck. <laughs> like when, wa- they had the one play out of empty, and that's why I, I freaked out about it. It's just like a little thing. One, I don't think they even got a completion on this. Uh, but it was they were an empty. The play clock's running down. Stafford's killing the play with like five seconds left, and Henderson's all the way split out, and he's running back into the, into yeah, the yeah. backfield. And usually those guys trot. And I, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I, I won't try to be too mean. But running backs are usually not the most game situation aware. Like they they are not not usually the most heady guys. So some are, and it's awesome, but it's like some aren't. Henderson, as he's jogging, looks looks at the play clock and sees like four seconds. He just starts hauling ass and gets back into the backfield and gets set like right away. And it was like, again, we've talked about this on the show, is that when your unit takes ownership, when every yes. guy on the field is own, taking ownership of not just that play of their responsibility, but the entire concept and just the game situation, it's like that's what good units do. And that's just like a little example of what like uh, I don't say he's a role player. He's playing well this year, but it's like those guys stepping up outside just the stars. And I think that against the blitz and in those moments when things are imperfect, that's another example of why Stafford's big for them. Goff, I think, was 25th in the league in, in EPA per drop back against the blitz last year. When teams brought pressure, he just he couldn't handle it. It's just yeah. not, that's not how he's built. And when things get muddy, when things get just mucked up, you, sometimes you need a guy who can just make a play. And that's what yep. Stafford has been for them all year. So yep. it's the why you go get a guy like that. All yes. right. It's now time for the State Farm surprisingly great performance of the week presented by State Farm. I want to talk about Kyle Pitts. I'm not surprised Kyle Pitts had a good game <laughs> because he was excellent in London before their buy, but I do want to talk about, and I was surprised about how dominant he was in this game and the ways that he was dominant in this game. It's starting with every week. We've seen kind of like the growth of that offense with him. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't even care what I love Calvin Ridley. Like I I love a few guys on their offense. It's just like, I don't care. I just want to see how they use Calvin (laughs) because it's like first week. It was like, I think in preseason, it was like, okay, they use him as a tight end. He uh, ran on like a naked where he just, you know, split across the field. It's like, okay, okay. All right. And then we see him against the box and I was like, oh, they used him in the slot. And then it was like, okay, then the next week we see him in heavy oh in London. They're in heavy personnel and he's run the post. And then it's like, okay, all right. And then this week now he's just straight up receiver at, at times. So like it's he's just, just like, AJ Brown. That's yeah. it. That's, yeah, that's and it. that's what I hoped he would be coming yes. into the year. 
I, I said I think I said that multiple times. Like I yes. just think he's going to be AJ Brown. And today, that's what you saw. Like his first big completion is just a glance route off play yeah. action. Yeah. It's just the same Split shit out. we've seen the Titans do. <laughs> so you look at I think thirty percent of his snaps this year have come out wide. And if today is an indication, that number is only going to go up from here because of the things that he can do from out there. Yeah. I mean, he ran multiple just go balls fades outside the numbers early in the game. The first, his first one, the one handed catch was against Eric Rowe. So it's like, all right, you <laughs> playing man coverage. You have a safety on him. That makes sense. Yeah. The one he hit at the end of the game to get them down to kick the game winning field goal. He beat Xavier Howard yeah. on an outside release on a fade to essentially get them in range to win the game. Yeah. He's Unicorn. He's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Unicorn. Yeah, he's 6'6". His arms are like a pterodactyl. Uh, he just turned 21 this month. Like, he can finally go to Buckhead in Atlanta. So, like, good <laughs> on him. And, uh, like, he's too – he's the classic mismatch. He's too athletic for safeties. He's too big for corners. Way too – like, if you're running zone, he's also a huge target that knows how to use his hands and find soft spaces. It's like – and he can get vertical on you. So it's like, how do you block or how do you just pr- uh, defend this guy? And and the thing is, we so what did you say? It was 30 percent. He's been split out. So 30 yeah, percent. Exactly. A third of the snaps he's split out. OK, if that bumps up to 40 percent, give or take. And the fact that he can stay on the field no matter what, how they use him, wing yep. tight end, in line, split out, way out, split in the slot, however they want to use him. It's like that's when he can stay on the field for 50 plus snaps. He is no matter what a mismatch. <laughs> so, no matter how he's deployed. No matter how he's deployed. Do you know how hard that is in the game of football? It's we. Uh, it's I'm going to talk about it a few times on the show, but it's like match matchups and creating those matchups and just extending them as much as you can and creating and just pounding away at them. When you have a guy, no matter where he lines up on the field, is an automatic matchup uh, nightmare for the defense. It's like well, that's fun. <laughs> like and that's yeah, what you saw he, today too. And he you just saw him in every single way. There was one play, I think it was a third and 10 at one point in the second half. He just essentially drove Eric Rowe like eight yards down the field and then turned around and just caught a ball for a first down. So he's physically dominating a safety that's in front of him. And then he's Uh, running slot fades against corners for 40-yard games. All pro corners. I mean, it's the guy is going to be a problem. At tight end. So 471 <laughs> receiving yards in six games, the most ever by a rookie tight end. Is it really? Oh yes. Goodness. The most in the history of the NFL. It, the You know who he surpassed? Mike Ditka. This oh, record really? has Ditka? stood for like 60 years. Oh, my God. That's and it's crazy. only going to get better from here. I mean, I mean yeah. this is, if this is any indication, it's only going to get better from here. He is on his way to being an absolute superstar He's and one that is a concern no matter what you do with him. And yeah. that is exactly what you're hoping for. When yes. you draft that like once in a generation tight end fourth overall, you want him to have an advantage every single way you use him. And that's exactly what he did today. Yeah. And, and someone had a great tweet. I just had to say it, it was like a reply and it said, uh, Falcons have a great one, two receiver duo and tight end Kyle Pitts and, re- and running back Cordero Patterson. Because <laughs> they'll just they'll line up with no running backs, technically no running backs on the field like they'll or just or no receivers on the field and just split those two out as like their receivers. It's like, Hey, I am selfishly. I am glad they're interesting. Yeah. I was going to be so disappointed this year. If that team offensively was unwatchable, boring. I know like with Arthur Smith and these guys, if they're going to be boring and and terrible, I am so glad that they are worth watching and exciting because I I just needed that. That was going to be that like that light going out was going to be so sad for football fans. And now we don't have to worry about it. Calvin Ridley scored. So it's like, okay, all right. 
All right. Some some fun things happening in Atlanta. All right. Remember, guys, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote today. We'll be back in a second. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? All right. It's time for Explain Yourself. Every single week, we pick out a couple teams or performances that just need a little bit more explanation because really hard to get our wrap our heads around and today we're going to start with the panthers who benched their starting quarterback it's this is not a good situation (laughs) i don't really know what else to say about it i mean this has gone south so quickly the first three games of the year it's like okay you know like we talked a lot about it's like they are presenting the offense to him he's doing a very good job of like all right this is what i'm supposed to do on this play this is i'm reading high to low on the corner If, if like just it's a smash. If the, if the corner sinks under the corner, I'm hitting it to the flat. If he gets to the flat, I'm hitting the corner. He was doing a very good job with the simple things they were asking him to do. He was playing much better than we'd ever seen him play before, but the wheels have come off this thing. Over the last four weeks, he's dead last in EPA per play among 36 quarterbacks. He's completing 56.3% of his passes, and he's taken 15 sacks over the last four weeks. He's dead last in the league. And oh. now... Beyond the, him playing poorly, it's like, all right, well, now what the hell do we do? Yeah, And that's kind of the problem with what the Panthers have done is they've put themselves into a very, very complicated situation about what they do with their quarterback and what they do with this team moving forward. Well, that's it's always just been confusing is what timeline are the Panthers on? Yes. Like no one knows. <laughs> I mean, literally, I don't think they yep. know. It was giving the, them – The target's like, moving. Now, it's constantly moving. Always. Yeah. It's like a comic book timeline. It's just moving retcon all the time. <laughs> it's like, you know, they just – they just the canon changes every day. And it's that's exactly what it is. It's like – they gave a rule, like a seven-year deal, I think it was. And it was like, oh, okay, they're going to here for the long haul. They're going to three, four-year plan, you know, kind of almost like build it like a college. And it was like right away, they're like, nope, we're trying to win right away. <laughs> Let's get Teddy. Let's, you know, I was at first it was like, oh, they just want confidence. And then and I was like, okay, if you get Darnold, all right, all right. It's just an interesting path. It's a very hard path to make right, to get right. Like, you know, it's for every Rich Gannon, you know, rec- you know, reclamation project, there is dozens hundreds uh, of bad ones of ones that just end up like this and i i've been a D- darnold fan and how this first three weeks i should say fan but i've been an optimist you you this, have been more optimistic about him than most people have been yeah and it was kind of funny it was like after the first three weeks especially the texans game the thursday night game people were like hey man darnold's looking good it was like yeah wait until they play a real defense i was like yeah yeah he does look better because it was like in those situations it was fine the pass protection was holding up yep. their offensive line that was a concern that going this whole season was oh like, it's Cam still a concern Kurt, yeah cam irving's at left tackle i was like 
that's very very scary and then just like that's like that's what that was supposed to be like their big move like like for their whole line it was like oh man and what they want to do now that i i don't want, i think i want to jump ahead but it's like this path they went on it's just you're robbing peter to pay paul it's like okay we're we'll get this quarterback and we get him for two years and we do this but then it's like we hurt the whole line we give him weapons the defense is on a different timeline like nothing makes sense it's just like everyone thing just starts everything sounds like a good idea let's trade for a db let's trade for another d like they just are like just doing shit just to do shit and it's just by a lot of shiny objects yes and it just seems like that's what it is it's like there's no long-term planning it's it's vince mcmahon booking wwe (laughs) i mean honestly that's the best comparison i have like uh, i have for it It, it's it's bad (laughs) so today i mean it was a disaster on every level 16 to 25 for 111 yards he took three sacks he had an intentional grounding in the end zone it's just bad quarterback bingo yeah and he was yanked with 13 minutes left they were only down by 12 points It's not like the game was over. And then after the game, the way the rule tried to explain it, he's like, I considered pulling him earlier, but I didn't want to embarrass him because I know this is going to be the conversation all week. Yeah, Yeah. man. You you traded two picks, including a second round pick next year for this quarterback. And re-upped him. When you bench him and you're paying him $18 million guarantee next year, when you bench him, yeah, it's going to be a conversation. Yeah. And that's my, I think that's my concern. It's the same thing that you said. The target is just always moving. Yeah. It, they, I just don't think they know what exactly they're trying to do. And now we bring in another complicating factor to the situation. Joe Person from The Athletic today reported that they will be in on the Deshaun Watson conversations. Which, so now you traded a second round pick for this guy. He's yeah. on the books for $18 million guaranteed next year. And you're going to trade away how many picks for, yeah. that it would take to go get Deshaun Watson? And just yeah. that's an entirely different conversation for a lot of different reasons. But I think it's, again, just an example of it's constantly changing there. I mean, it's not like they didn't get – they gave up plenty for Sam Darnold. They gave up real assets for Sam Darnold and committed to paying him. Yeah, and it was like Deshaun Watson was the old shiny object, and it's become the shiny object again. Like, it's like – it probably was like before, and it was like now they're like, oh – I used to like that, like, sh- you know, sugar-coated candy object in the w- in the mirror <laughs> or the window. So it's like, and also, like, again, it's like they're changing their target so much, like you just said. But, like, what bullets do they have to offer up? They're going to mortgage their future if they do, say, if they hypothetically do get Deshaun. Because they don't have, like, players that, I mean, they do, but it's like, don't you want to build around them? They have no O-line. So they're they're just building the Texans, except in the East, in a harder division. You know, the AFC South, you know, the Texans were able to get away with what they were for years because of just how poor the AFC South was. But now it's like you want to go into the AFC South and you're you're just being, you're the Tar Heel Texans. I mean, that's what it is. You have no O-line. What are you going to rebuild with O-line? Like cap space? You're paying Deshaun. Like, it's just like, again, it's just one step forward, one step back. It's just like none of it just has any like where it's like, hey, they have an A, B, and C. Like, where, or they just have a step one, two, and three on this plane. It's just step one. Let's see how it works. Okay, new step, step one. one. Let's right. do the next thing that sounds good. Yep. And with with Let's get no, the press. With nothing Let's... in mind about how it relates to the other moves that we've made. At all. It, it just doesn't make sense. It just and it, all the warning signs have been there, but it just like keeps getting amplified every week that passes. And it just now it's happening on the football field where now it's a little more glaring uh with the weaknesses of what's going on there. Well, we'll see what happens next. It's going to be an <laughs> yeah. eventful week in Carolina, I can tell you that. Probably right. some trade for a DB. <laughs> this is essentially, this doesn't really fit into this segment. This is where we talk about bad stuff that happened during the week. I, I want to talk about what's going on with the Jets and the Bears, just very briefly. We, okay. we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but 
I just it, watching what happened to the Jets today with Zach Wilson getting hurt and just how poorly he's played for most of this season. You look at the numbers. I mean, Wilson and Justin Fields are the bottom two in pretty much every single statistic that you can look at EPA per play, everything. And it was just kind of a crushing feeling today. If you root for one of those two teams, when you had so much hope just for something different in the spring, like when the Bears drafted Justin Fields and I was so excited about it, it's because, man, that's maybe this will be different. Like yeah. maybe this is a different path. We needed something to change as a fan base. And I think the Jets felt that same way. I mean, even into the preseason where Wilson looked good, it's like, man, there's something to be excited about. Yes. And even if there's still hope for those guys, which there is, you know, I mean, this the field situation, you have your third string right tackle playing today who just couldn't do anything. Yeah. And you com- it's compounded by he just doesn't see things well right now. I mean, Romo was saying it consistently. I thought it was a really good observation. His eyes are starting in the wrong place pre-snap. The way that he's operating before the ball was snapped is a concern right now. And I think maybe that gets better with time or with the change in coaching staff. Whatever. This isn't about that. This is about that really terrible feeling of going into the year, hoping you're going to see progress, change, excitement, and by week seven being like, I just want to sim to end. Like yeah. it's just like, when do we get to start over again? And for both fan bases, I just it is an awful, awful feeling as someone who is going through it right now. <laughs> We, we we forget how much growing pains suck. Like we, yeah, we they're do. painful. We they're yes, they're growing pains. They're not growing pleasures. And it's like we, I think more than any other position. I mean, we know this. Quarterbacks the one of the hardest positions in sports. Is we want to go like we get so much help from some of these rookies. Justin Jefferson last year. We see the linemen stepping in and playing well. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase stepping in and looking like an all star and all pro. It's like we forget how hard it is to be a rookie quarterback. We do. It is a better comparison than other positions in the NFL is NBA. It's an NBA yeah. rookie. There are no, there's not a lot of positive rookie NBA players. Like you could be the number one pick. And if you're average, like, you know, by any like advanced stats, by any of those measures, you're like, Oh my God, we have hope. <laughs> it's like, if you're just even average. And that's the thing. I've been an optimist about like Trevor Lawrence. The fact that and if you look at his stats, they're shit, but it's yeah. like it's just the process that you see. We just have seen these guys step in in certain situations. Uh, Justin Herbert last year, and we're just like, oh, plug and play. All yeah. these guys figure it out. If they don't figure it out, they suck. But it's like, no, these guys, the process to get there, it, it takes a while. They're going to have extreme ups and downs. And if you're not, they're on bad teams for a reason. Zach Wilson was the number two pick for a reason. <laughs> you know, uh, Justin Fields was the number 11 pick for a reason. The Bears were caught in no man's land. This was supposed to be the mark of a new kind of path. It's like we forget that sometimes because, like you said, we just want to sim to end and just go like, yeah, we're, we're all grown up now. And now our, our quarterback is in his third year and he's making all these reads every single play. And it's, isn't it awesome? But we forget that. It's like sometimes it's really hard as a rookie. Yeah, I just uh, Jets fans having to watch that today and just like it's it that's the disappointing part is that if he's gonna miss three or four weeks, it's like man, it now like it's got lost season. It's a lost season. It was supposed to be a building block year. Yeah, and that's just really really difficult to deal with. That shift from preseason, not even expectations. They, nobody, I didn't think they believed they'd be good in yeah. that fan base. But it's like okay, maybe we see some glimpses where we can be excited about what's next. And now it's. Even that is difficult. It's hard to be excited about what's next because the present is so disappointing and so depressing. And yeah. those moments, it's just tough to get over. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on that, but there aren't a lot of games today. And I felt like we should hit both of those very, very 
d- depressing, sad performances. Check, check that sad box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. For their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash maze, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash maze now to grow your business, no matter which stage you're in. Shopify.com slash maze. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Not today, my good man. I'm feeling saucy. All right. Every week, or pretty much every single week, we like to talk about a secret sauce, something that was subtle or understated that helped a team win that may go unnoticed at first glance. What did you want to dig into tonight? I want. I, I, I believe this is called foreshadowing. I foreshadowed this in our Bengals <laughs> discussion, but I uh, wanted to talk about uh, kind of traditional drop back seven man protection. Ooh, ah, uh, uh, this is as good as Dune was on Friday night, but it's it's seven man protection. Naturally, just think about it. It's five man protection, six man protection, seven man protection. When defenses bring pressure. The like two best ways to beat pressure really is getting all five eligibles out with five like five man protection right there. The problem, and we have come up with this, we have talked about the Bengals offense coming into this limitation. We've talked about the Cardinals offense sometimes facing this. We've seen it with the Chiefs now, actually, right now, too, is that teams will blitz you and you have to throow hot or short of the sticks. And the good defenses will make you do that repeatedly. They'll tackle you short of sticks and you keep punting, going, why? Man, we have a hot answer there. Why is it fourth and two again? But that's what you do. The other answer is to get a seven-man protection and wad it up and actually sort out who is coming on the pressure. The basic way high schools do it, colleges do it, you can do this in the NFL, is like a full seven-man slide. 
The problem is defenses are very good. Defenders are very fast at the NFL level. They add on very quickly. So if they see that tight end blocking, all of a sudden you better, that strong safety is probably coming screaming off the edge and with a clean runner at your quarterback. They're just too good. You can get the ball off quickly and do that. But best traditional way to do this, especially on third down or second along, even the Bengals did this today because they knew the Ravens were going to heat them up. They just do. That's what the, how the mm-hmm. Ravens win on defense. So what this is, a seven-man dropback protection is a Mike ID. Offensive line is, is going to protect against the four defensive line and whoever they point as the Mike, and they're setting the middle guy, usually the middle linebacker. And these are X's on the chalkboard. And the formations, so how you're going to know this is a seven-man protection, and you can see it, look at it, especially on third downs. You either see a split back with two two running backs, both, mm-hmm. of, both on either side of the quarterback and the shotgun, or you see like a Y off of 11 personnel where the running back's in a normal three-by-one, and then the tight end is off, like almost in the backfield, almost kind of like in between either being on the line of scrimmage or right in the backfield. And what it is, it's so the tight end can identify because he's going to have the Sam and it could be the nickel. It could be a DB. What it is, is just a Sam on the chalkboard, the strong identifier to the sky, to any CDBs out there. And the running back has the will, which is just a will on the chalkboard going from there. The Bengals did this multiple times today. They wadded up the Ravens blitzes and that Joe Burrow was able to navigate the pocket and just knife knife down the field. So they didn't have to throw hot. They didn't get these clean runners that were happening in their five-man protections. So they're able to, it's gash or be gash. That's how you get guys to, or get defenses to get out of pressure is that you block it up and just torch them. That's the best way to do it. And it was really cool to see the Bengals because one of my biggest things against them just like last year and this year was like they live in empty and they keep having to throw hot. They don't throw deep. They don't get vertical because they have to throw quick all the time is this is a way that they're able to attack down the field. And you can see the fruits of their labor. I mean, this is why you're going to be able to see all more go balls, some more of those intermediate throws. It's just really cool to see a team that even I've been negative on have an adjustment like that. And I think you'll see more teams do that as a compliment to their empty stuff too. It's so they can get down the field and attack down the field against pressures. It's good stuff. And it was really good to see an adjustment from the Bengals offense. I think they kind of had the best of both worlds, right? Because they had they were in a split back look, but the tight end was one of the two backs. Yes, they did that multiple times today. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean with yeah with the yeah. Y off, the tight end off. Yeah, and exactly. So it's just it's creating split backs, but then going, oh, this looks like just like our normal passing formation. Yep. But then it's like we're getting technically a fullback, and actually, it's kind of cool what I've seen the Bills do. They've they've done that sniffer formation with Knox being off the ball and then the back being right be- behind it. What I've seen the Bills doing now is they're doing drop back protection out of that look, and it's the same same sort of thing, but it's like an I formation protection out of 11 personnel yeah and it's kind of like okay all right all right so now it's we're blending ideas now we're blending modern football with old kind of uh uh, protection schemes i guess so it's kind of cool like seeing these next steps these offenses are taking to get in the spread world did i mention burrow's numbers against the blitz earlier when we were talking about the Bengals? i don't think i did i don't think you did i just said stafford's it was, he was Burrow was ten of sixteen for two hundred fifty six yards against Blitz today. Yep, wadded up and gash him, baby. That's the, <laughs> ten of sixteen for two fifty six is a decent clip. So yeah. speaking of <laughs> speaking of Burrow's numbers today, uh, let's get to who won the belt. I am the cream, yeah, the cream of the crop, and there is no one that does it better than the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, that's a good one. That is an all time <laughs> promo right there. Way to go, Cat. That's a cup of coffee. <laughs> Jamar Chase was the cream of the crop today, man. Yes. Wow. Eight catches, 201 yards, and a touchdown. I don't know where you want to start, 
But I, the one thing coming into this game that we had not seen from him, I mean, obviously he'd been incredible. The production had been impressive. We had not seen him go against the top shelf corner that was going to be up in his face from the start of this game. That is what Marlon Humphrey is. That is the way the Ravens play. And he shrugged it off like it wasn't even there. Yeah. When you make an entire defense change what they want to do, yeah, that's that's affecting the game. We've talked about pass rushers. Oh, okay, they have to start – offense has to start providing chip help. Oh, a good corner. Oh, the offense came and go to that guy that he's guarding. A good receiver, this is what they do. They force an entire coverage to change. You can't run your man. You can't run your pressures. We have to cloud your side. And if you're getting the Ravens defense who lives in that world, they'll go against Patrick Mahomes and those guys and run man and run their stuff. And then Jamar Chase is what got him out of it. That's for a rookie receiver to do that. That's pretty special. It's I, I want to say he's the cruiserweight title winner, but it's like he's like too powerful to be a cruiserweight. Like he's like way too strong. Like his his balance, his body control. It's like. It's it's incredible. It, it really is. Like his just body control, and you can tell guys are scared of how strong they are because they respect him. They they had there's another clip. It wasn't Humphrey guarding him, and like you said, that was what I wanted to see too. Was how does he go against press against a guy that knows how to win in press as opposed to maybe a rookie? And it was like it didn't matter. It, it didn't matter what they did. They were they were giving him so much respect. They were backing up and kind of giving like a little fake jab to press him because they were like too scared about him. And it's just, it was just extremely impressive seeing him today doing that against a defense. I thought might give him a little more speed bumps, but there was no speed bumps. He was just full throttle the whole game. What he did over the first month of the season that was impressed. We talked about it on Friday. The acceleration is crazy. Yes. And just the subtleties, just little tiny, like I'm going to give you a shoulder here yep. and it's going to give me this space here, but not off the line of scrimmage. So today, you saw kind of the next step of what that acceleration gives you. The, t- the couple plays he had against Humphrey that impressed me the most. He sells the outside push, the vertical outside push to the left, and then he comes back inside on the release. His ability to have that crossover release after threatening outside and create space is incredible. Humphrey's shoulders were turned to the sideline because yep. he was so worried about it. Yep. You mentioning a pass rusher is so interesting because when I watched him today, he reminded me of Aaron Donald. Yes. So when you watch Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, no matter what he's doing, he's moving toward the quarterback. There is always push toward the quarterback. His momentum is always moving forward, even if he's putting a little sauce on moves. Chase, multiple times today, he has that vertical push. And when he comes back inside on the release, he's moving forward. And he's got that hand. That little dip swim that he had on that inside crossover release multiple times, that strength combined with that forward movement, you're fucked. Yeah. I mean, like, there's just nothing to do. There's nothing you can do about that as a corner. Marlon Humphrey is a very sound technical corner. But when you have that forward momentum, when you're always moving forward and you have the strength and the quickness and everything else, he's going to be a serious, serious issue. Yeah. I mean, there's just at this point, there's he's checked every box that you want to yeah. see. And the thing outside of the release stuff, which again, I was so impressed by today, he hit that crossover release multiple times, even when he didn't get the ball. There was a third and one, the, the play before he caught the fourth and one comeback early in the game. He had that on the right side. Mm-hmm. It was the exact same release that he hit on the slant touchdown and Bro didn't throw him the ball. There were even plays where he wasn't getting the ball. He was super Winning. impressive today. And the body control and yak opportunities on top of everything else, bonkers. Yeah. I mean, that touchdown to keep his balance. So looking at it today, 
<laughs> this is insane. He's seventh in the NFL in air yards per target. Okay. Which is crazy. Deep threat, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. Has been a deep threat for most of the season. That's how he's beating you. He's also seventh in the NFL in yak. Yeah, that's a pretty special combo. That right there. shouldn't be possible. <laughs> you shouldn't be able or yak. It's yak per reception. So you so. shouldn't be able to have the seventh highest air yards per target and the seventh highest yak per completion. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's bad for average and for power. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, he is. It's insane. The, the body control stuff like that. We were. When we were talking about him on Friday, it was just the late hands was like, oh, yes. my God, it's so impressive. Like how it, and that just speaks to his hand-eye coordination and his body control. It, it's just it, he can track the ball and track his body or keep control of his body no matter what. We talk about quarterbacks being off platform, but same with him. He can be effective and, like you say, moving forward unusual angles. And it's like he's just such a funky watch, and it's so impressive, though. It's like you can tell, you can tell a lot by how other teams treat a guy. And it's like just how scared every corner is. Every totally. corner is just going like, all right, do I get hand? Like, and that's Marlon Humphrey, who who's like, that's a guy I drafted in our non-QB draft. Like, that's how much how how much I respect him. It's like he was making him look, he was embarrassing him. And it's like, wow, it's 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 really, really cool to watch. I was wondering how the power that he played with in college would translate. Because he's not gonna be able to push guys around to quite yep. the same extent, but that's he's not having to concern. bully guys. He's yep. playing powerfully where it's explosiveness plus the physicality that he still has because he's still going to use that little shove at the end of that release, yep. but that's to finish it off. Yep. He the, the foot quickness and just the overall ability to set stuff up and just, again, that ability to constantly be pushing forward, to constantly have DBs edgy and worried and concerned because of how powerfully and confidently he plays the position. I didn't expect him to look like this. I just did not know that he would have this bundle of traits. And I, I am more than comfortable being wrong about that because yeah. he's going to be fun as hell to watch. Absolutely. In, in Japan, it's not the cruiserweight. They call him light heavyweights. And yeah, that's what he is. He's he's the light heavyweight champ right now. It, it's yeah. Way to go, Jamar Chase. Like I, I was high on him, but it was like I had my I had tons of reservations. I was like exactly what you said. I was like, I did not. Think he, I was like, he uses a two-hand swipe too much. Okay, we'll see if he can keep winning. Yeah, like at exactly. 200 pounds, if he can keep winning. Okay, all those other guys are 225 doing that. We'll see. And it's like, okay, yeah, he does it, I guess. Two months into his career. Yep. <laughs> we, I mean, it's every box. Take a Checked every single box of the position yep. that you want to see in a way that I can't remember anybody doing at yep. this stage of their career. Yeah. All right. Bow. That's all we got. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening this week's mailbag is with Lindsay Jones, so please submit your questions. You can give us a call and leave a voicemail. The voicemail number is 872-222-7073. You can also send us an email, athleticfootballshow at gmail.com. Please get those in by 1 p.m. on Monday. If you're listening to this on Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Also, please listen to our fantasy, fantasy shows, Best on the Board and the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Recommend both of those guys to you. We will be back with the mailbag Lindsay on Tuesday. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was the athletic football show.